0: I'm John Caldera, president of the Independence Institute. Jeff Crank is a political pundit, a political strategist, and he works in many states throughout the western United States. I wanted to get his take on how Colorado's election results compares to others around the nation. This is the audio version of our television show, Devil's Advocate. You can watch that program by going to youtube.com and searching for our channel, IITV, which stands for Independence Institute Television, or just go to thinkfreedom.org. I hope you'll enjoy this discussion. Broadcaster, podcaster, head honcho at Americans for Prosperity, (laughs) and good dresser, Jeff Crank. Thanks for being here.
1: Uh, Only a couple of those things fit, John. (laughs) I'll choose
0: them. Actually one.
1: Yeah, maybe one.
0: And it ain't the dresser. Um, Actually, I thought I'd talk to you. We've been talking to a lot of folks about the recent Colorado carnage that's Mm -hmm. happened, but it's not just here. And since you've been plugged in in a lot of other states, I thought I'd just ask you, is it as bad in other states? And when I say it, I should probably be more specific. Here in Colorado, conservatives, Republicans had a seemingly reasonable expectation Mm -hmm. of some victories. No, maybe we wouldn't win back the Senate, maybe we wouldn't win back the State House, but we would win back a few seats. We would get close enough that we could see victory in a majority on the horizon. (laughs) Uh, Instead, we lost everything, everything. You you keep your eyes on a lot of different other seats. Before we go to D.C. for where, what's in play nationally, just what are you seeing on, on the state level and other places?
1: Well, it's a mixed bag. I mean, certainly Colorado has experienced, you know, a lot of people who've moved in and brought their ideas right with them. And I think Colorado slipped further to the left. There's no doubt about it. But I do. Slipped. Well, slipped. slipped. I'm using the word slipped. loosely. Yeah, I understand. Tiny Fell off a cliff <laughs> to the right. left, maybe. But I think in other states, that you haven't seen that. There are states like Montana where there's been a little bit of a resurgence of, of conservatism. Uh, West Virginia is, is a great example of a state that's moving the other way. So there are bright spots, I think. Let
0: me grab yeah. West Virginia for just a second. Yeah. West Virginia has traditionally been one of. The poorest, most backward welfare states in the country mm-hmm. All right it's it's always been poverty stricken it's always been kind of the poster child for uh, welfare queens and and it's just been it's been bad, but it's starting to become more and more of a um, freedom state, and that you're starting to see more and more people gravitate to right. West Virginia to to i don't know be left alone and start their businesses and 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 do those things. So I yeah, yeah. I don't know. I I wonder if West Virginia becomes a future Colorado, Wyoming, Texas, where where it becomes a refugee state mm-hmm. for people who want to get away from collectivism.
1: It it certainly could. And I think as the as the Democrat Party has slipped away from being the party of the working man, right, which I think they they held that title for many years but now they're sort of captive by these environmental extremists and and sort of ex- extremists on the left. I think uh, the the good working people of West Virginia, you know it's a it's coal mining country and and those sorts of things, I think that they're that has turned them. I think the gun issue has has turned a lot of people in states like West Virginia as well. So I I think that's what you're seeing is is they become more and more maybe of a refugee state for for people uh, who believe in liberty and freedom
0: all right so you keep an eye on a lot of the western states talk to me about montana yeah and that montana has always been how to put it politely crazy mm-hmm. all right so montana <laughs> is where colts go right. because land is cheap mm-hmm. and nobody wants to be there during land the
1: used to be cheap in montana it's not, not so much it? anymore really no why so well, they're getting a lot of Californians moving up. in as well. Bozeman is one of the most expensive places now. you totally. kidding me. No, it's, it's amazing how much it's changed. Yeah, that's right. All right. This... <laughs> Excuse me while I bitch for just a moment. <laughs>
0: this is the problem. Here, here's the problem with them neighborhoods. Let me tell you. Is that they keep going to the most beautiful places. They do. All right, so, they do. You know, I've, I've got a bunch of progressive friends. And so they, they come to Colorado. They're destroying the place. Yep. And they keep going to the most beautiful places. <laughs> and so I've got a bunch of friends who have gotten sick of the Denver metro area and, and you know, the, this area. Sure. Oh, just too crowded. The crime's too bad. And, you know, it's like, Yeah all the stuff you you made happen. And so now they're, they're moving to Warfordo County and they're moving they're <laughs> buying all this land to, to get away from sure. all the ugliness that they brought. And it's like they keep finding the little patches of of gorgeousness mm-hmm. and so that they can they can bring it with them and make it unattainable for those of us who who were here before they ruined it. Mm-hmm. It's just like you got to find one So in other words, we all have to go, you know, To Nebraska, to some (laughs) god-awful flat place that has nothing but corn and and only 10 feet of elevation difference in the whole state. That's right. That's the only place that if we want to be left alone. That's right.
1: I own a place in Nebraska just for that very reason. Do you? Yes, I do. You (laughs) Seriously? I do. Yeah. I I bought a place in Nebraska, and I actually went there when Jared Polis closed Colorado right at the beginning of COVID. My wife and and daughter and I uh, just moved up there. and We just lived up there mask-free. Didn't worry about it for two months. So it was great. Except (laughs) being in Nebraska. Well, Nebraska has some wonderful things about it. Name four, quickly. Corn. Not. Oh, I can't name corn? corn.
0: No, corn. Pheasant hunting? They have corn here. Pheasant hunting? They have pheasant hunting
1: here. They have good pheasant hunting in Nebraska. Good good pheasant hunting in Nebraska. Lake, Lake, Lake McConaughey. The shallowest lake in the world. Well, now it's the shallowest lake. It was the shallowest lake ever. Okay. I named two, John. Can we move on? I think I've won that (laughs) round. All
0: right. Getting back to our topic. Okay. Um, What have you seen around the country, other other states? Because I look at, uh, let me take a look at Michigan, as mm -hmm. we're taking our little potpourri. Mm -hmm. Here was a state where Republicans misplayed many things. Mm -hmm. I think, I'll I'll take the abortion uh, Right. That... This election was a mishandling of the abortion ruling. And I believe the abortion Supreme Court ruling was the right ruling. No matter how you feel about abortion, I don't believe it was. Uh, The Roe versus Wade ruling was a poor ruling on its face because it's not a constitutional issue. It was a tortured ruling. That's not a pro or con on abortion. It means it's a state issue. I'm agnostic right I'm really I'm completely agnostic on it but when the republicans had a chance in michigan to put a reasonable abortion law on instead of the 1931 law that they reverted to which mm-hmm. was a complete and total ban they wouldn't do it and so they they could have put in a you know a 20 week ban or something sure. instead they put a 100% ban yeah and it caused it, it caused this backlash right and now they have now they have a Democratic governor with a Democratic legislature, mm-hmm. and some of the policy wins that they've had in the last decade, including right to work, right. are now in danger. They could lose these policy victories, these freedom victories, because Republicans mishandled uh, Roe versus Wade, and they needed to have every win all at once to be completely purist. Yeah, And I think this happened a lot. Do you think... How big was Roe versus Wade nationwide? Well,
1: I think, it, I think in, in a lot of ways, the Democrats, uh, I, I, the way I phrase this whole election nationally is that I do believe there was a red wave and that red wave was coming, but I believe that the Democrats did a good job of building up a bit of a blue wave to crash and make a purple wave. And some good things did come out of it nationally. You know, I think we're not going to have five trillion dollars spending bills coming down the pike because we now have divided government albeit by a few votes in the House, but that makes all the difference in the world, as you know. Um, I think that on issues, I think the Democrats did a very good job of energizing their base on on the abortion issue, particularly young college age women on that issue, and on the and on the uh, uh, the The student loan issue, right? I mean, they had that whole group energized. And then I think a third group that they were able to energize was kind of their base with the democracies in danger and going to be stolen and, you know, the hatred for Donald Trump. So I think those three things created a bit of a blue wave that crashed against a red wave. Because I do think the red wave was coming. I think people uh, generally frustrated, obviously, with the price of gas, the inflation, mortgage, uh, rates, you know, um, and those sorts of things, but, but they energize their base enough to fight us to a draw. Isn't it funny, ways. that
0: those, are, those of us who are, who are junkies in this stuff, yeah, guys like us, you know, we look at the abortion issue here in Colorado, right. and we scratch our heads going, it's a non-issue. Right. You know, who cares if O'Day is elected or not? He's pro-abortion. It doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter who the governor is because the abortion laws in Colorado are arguably the most liberal in the country. Sure. And that's not going to change. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's a non-issue, 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 right. non-issue. But we forget that people who swing the election, I, when I say they're ignorant, it's not an insult. It's just they, they have lives. Yeah. And so they don't know necessarily that Colorado has a guaranteed abortion up until the moment of birth. And it is the most liberal abortion laws in the nation, and it's not going to change. They might actually think abortion is in danger here in Colorado, sure. And so they get scared, and it's and it's those those ten percent, fifteen
1: percent in the middle, Um,
0: and we think they actually know the truth.
1: Well, and if you even look at, I mean, look at look at Joe O'Day. I mean, no matter what you thought of his position on it, the reality was. The Supreme Court removed it from federal government's control. Right. I mean, if I were running for federal office and was asked about it, that would generally be my answer: is Supreme Court said that we can't really touch it. Right. We can't guarantee nor deny in this. Although That's left did, up he to did, the states. He
0: did say. I would I would vote to codify something to protect a woman's right. Of the sure. Right. Well, I think and he, I don't I don't even know if they have the right to do that. Yeah. But yeah
1: I think Joe O'Day very much mishandled the abortion issue from beginning to end. I think he alienated his base. I think that's one, just one of those issues. You have to tell folks where you are on it and stick with it. Don't try and split hairs and run up the middle. It never works. It's kind of like gun rights, either are for the Second Amendment or you're not for the Second Amendment. And if you try and be too cute on it, both sides don't like you. And on the abortion issue, you know, on a Joe O'Day or any other candidate, they're not going to vote for you if they think the other person is better on the issue anyway. Those voters who that's their issue and they're they're pro-choice on that issue, they voted for Michael Bennett and they were always going to vote for Michael Bennett, if that's their big issue.
0: If that's their big issue. Right. I think Republicans, conservatives thought the economic pain yeah. Was much harder on people than they thought it was, and, than people actually felt. Mm-hmm. And it got me thinking afterwards that buying people's votes, softening the blow, uh, putting people on the dole really worked. Sure. I'll give you a couple examples <laughs> uh, Colorado, of course, uh, proposition FF, usually the most morally bankrupt thing on the, on the yeah. ballot. Uh, stealing money from rich guys to pay for free food for just slightly lesser rich guys' right. kids. sure. Um, and at the same time, uh, building up an argument to make sure that rich guys never give to charity again because right. why would I give to charity if I lose the tax deduction? Sure. So, so rich guys lose money, slightly lesser rich guys get money, and poor guys are going to get screwed in the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, just brilliant all around. Right. But beyond that... Um, Uh, student loans getting Mm forgiven, that forgiveness. Yeah. Uh, Biden draining the emergency reserves of petroleum to to near nothing to keep gas prices at an artificially low level. We're going to be paying for that pretty soon. Um, Getting people addicted to money during COVID, which is another reason everyone wanted a free lunch, because we gave them free lunches. Of course. And so putting people on the dole. So this idea that we gave people money that was made up out of thin air and that cushioned people enough that they could care about Trump being mean sounding, mm-hmm. uh, the abortion issue, um, which wasn't an issue, at least in Colorado, free lunches, that that carried the day rather than 15% inflation in Colorado mm-hmm. uh, and um, uh, the economy turning around that we looked at this and go, this is the issue. Sure. You know, we're, we're on a precipice economically, and you're concerned about Trump being right. mean? Who cares about Trump being mean?
1: Well, and I think, you know, it, it, there's so many issues. And, and t- like the student loan payoff deal, I mean, that's such a great example, because so many people really were disenfranchised for that. Think of all the people, and I know you've talked about this, John, but all of the people who, who chose not to go to college and take out a student loan, but they went to trade school, became a welder, and now they're having to pay for the bad decisions that somebody else made. Or the
0: idiots who went to college and paid their way?
1: And paid their way. Like, or paid yeah, back like, their like, loans? Right, right. What morons of are course.
0: you? How dare you be financially, <laughs> exactly, financially sure. responsible?
1: Yeah, and, and I think Republicans just didn't do a good job of telling those stories and connecting with those voters to say, look, this is unfair. You're getting hit twice. You got hit the first time by by them making the, the decision that they were going to fund someone else's education. But now they're coming back to you and saying, well, they don't really need to pay it back. You're going to pay it back. Um, as, as a welder, you're, you're going to get to pay this back. So we didn't do a good job of connecting with those voters. Uh, our, our side didn't. And we didn't do a good job of mobilizing those people on those issues. Now, it's also not – it's also a little bit understandable that maybe we didn't do as well as we should because we don't own the mechanics of the media. Uh, we don't own social what? media. You're a I podcaster. Know I, You've <laughs> got it all. I know. I've got it all. But, you know, that's the narrative that's been driven. If you turned on NBC Nightly News, they would tell you how great it was. They'd be telling you the stories of – You know, the the young guy who went and got his theater degree and now doesn't have to pay it back. So they're telling you how great that is. So, um, you know, we don't have those levers to pull. We don't have social media. It's one of the reasons they're so upset about Elon Musk's purchase of of Twitter, right, is they, they have an ironclad lock on that and they just take the Democrat talking points and march on. That's how they've stayed in power all these years. So it's tough for us to tell those stories. But I think we've got to get better at those stories. And I even think that on the abortion issue, you know, if, if there's a pro-life advocate out there, we got to stop talking about, you know, the constitutionality of it and those sorts of things. You've got to tell the stories and women, by the way, who are pro-life need to lead on yeah. telling those yeah, stories. This is one of right? the reasons
0: that I have always felt uncomfortable talking about the abortion issue right. because I'm not a woman. Mm-hmm. And I'm tired of listening to men talk about the sanctity of life. You know, um, you know, no, let let the women lead on, on this debate. And it's an important debate. I get that. Yeah. Um, and finally, finally, the debate is where it belongs, in the public square. Sure. Instead of, you know, nine old men uh, in black robes. And it's one of the reasons... Uh, Europeans look at us and go, "What? Right. what is with you people? We've solved this problem years, but decades John, ago. But
1: John, even that is an example of how the left runs the narrative, right? On the abortion issue, there are people running around after the Dobbs decision came out saying, how dare these nine justices yeah. <laughs> come out with this decision and tell us what we can do or not do with our body? Well, that's what you've been doing Good. since right. 1972. This has changed it, but we're not getting that narrative out uh, that, that that's the reality. And this... also it also speaks to. The black and
0: whiteness uh, that I think our side looks at, mm-hmm. which is, ah, oh, we had this this case. So go back to Michigan. Right. So let's just swallow this victory in one big chunk. Go back to a 1930 law. Sure. Outlaw everything. Right. Even in the case, you know, this and this and this rape and, and uh, oh, sure. for the life of the mom or uh, health of the infant or whatever it, it, it is with, you know, in such black and whiteness, instead of saying, slow down here. Sure. Let's let, let's do a 15 week ban and right. then we'll reevaluate in a few years, take the temperature of the state and win the hearts and minds.
1: And that, and the states that have made progress in, in the area of pro-life issues have done that. Yeah. They've taken a little bit here, and then a little bit more, and and they've they've done it incrementally, because just socialism like you said, right?
0: Gains because it's done incrementally. Of course, this has been on this has been growing since FDR, right? And you see the spikes during the Great Society mm-hmm. and during Obama, sure, and and now, yes, right. yeah. All right, let's not look backward. Let's look forward. Okay, all right. So now we finally have what we hope is. A stopgap with this tiny, slim, little majority in the House. (laughs) Right. Uh, Nothing scares me more than a Republican majority (laughs) anywhere. Because Republicans are spectacular in the minority. They beat Mm -hmm. their chest. They sound like Republicans. (laughs) They talk like Republicans. They care about limited government. They care about taxes. And they care about gun rights. Man, there is nothing like a Republican minority. Sure. But as soon as they get one vote, man. All it takes is one of them, and they squish out. Let's yeah. remember uh, when George W. had presidency, the House, and the mm-hmm. Senate. Let's see, what did we do? Bridges to nowhere, <laughs> debt like we've never seen sure. before. We outlawed a light bulb. We outlawed a light bulb, <laughs> The great American invention. We outlawed um, a free speech. Uh, mccain Fine. I mean, yeah. this is what Republicans sure. do. I mean, right. So we can't be too happy about that. I do see some some benefits here. Mm -hmm. I think some of the bad stuff hopefully we can slow down. Yeah. I hope this is the beginning of the end of the Trump era. And what I mean by that is as a guy who was a reluctant Trump voter and then the second time around a very enthusiastic Trump voter Mm -hmm. and then after seeing his terrible behavior on January 6th no matter if you thought it was stolen, you didn't think it was stolen, to sit back and watch your capital being uh, attacked and doing nothing for hours uh, and and it was just unforgivable and after this election it has become very clear to me that trump could destroy this the republican party this might be the end beginning of the end of of trump mm-hmm. i see this as a positive
1: yeah well, I think, look, I think Republican voters have a choice to make, right? Do they want to be principled? I, I said this the other day, and I, I, I think this is pretty apropos thought, but Ronald Reagan loaned himself to the conservative movement, right? He said, you know, I've got this, per, he thought, although he didn't say it, but, you know, I've got this personality, I've got this celebrity, I want to run, but I want to do it for the cause. I think Donald Trump used conservatism for himself, right? And that's put, the difference between what Reagan did and what Trump did. And uh, that is Donald Trump. I mean, there, there's lots of positive things about Donald Trump that, that we can lots see. Of positive
0: things that happened during his presidency. Yeah. In a lot of ways, you could say that Donald Trump's presidency was as much, maybe even more transformational than Reagan's right. when it came to policy. Yes. When it came to patriotism, I don't think so. Yeah, you're right. Trump is all about Trump. Right. And the policy was a uh, wonderful byproduct.
1: Yeah. But I I, I think I think the problem that that Trump created throughout many of the uh, of well throughout his presidency. Right. What is what is the point? To, to, well, he wasn't very disciplined, number one. And what is the point when you go and you start calling Carly Fiorina a dog face, right? It alienates voters and it alienates more and more people. And, you know, Ronald Reagan understood you needed to cobble together a majority. You went and got the pro-Second Amendment folks and then you went out and got the pro-life folks. And then you went out and got the economic conservatives and the less government folks. And you, you cobbled together a majority to run a country. Um, Donald Trump's actions continue to, did then, and they continue to be very divisive. You make women think, well, why did he have to attack Carly Fiorina and her looks? You don't attack women on their looks. I mean, these are things that he's just, I think, in so many ways, so undisciplined in the way that he approaches things. I, I thought what he did in this last election to go to Ohio to campaign for J.D. Vance, a candidate that he supported and got through the primary uh, to go there two nights before the election and spend what an hour and a half or more talking about himself very little time having J.D. Vance talk but it was all about himself promoting that hey there's going to be a big announcement there might be a big announcement so that all the media listens and then the big announcement turns out that he's going to make an announcement the following week and in that very same speech attacks a Republican governor in Ron DeSantis who's on the ballot in Florida, as Republicans, you don't attack other Republicans right in the middle of a firefight. And I think that that was shocking to a lot of, a lot of Republicans who want to win. And I think you're right to, to say it's got to be less about personality. If we're going to win, we have to look at the issues and we have to lay out uh, a vision for America. When, what I we say,
0: when I say it could be the beginning of the end yeah. of Trump, it be... Maybe... Let me lay it out this way. In that the election for 2024 starts now. Yeah. And everybody, all the pieces are lining up. Jared Polis is lining up, you know, <laughs> wondering if what's Biden gonna do? Is yeah. he gonna drop dead tomorrow? I don't know what's <laughs> gonna happen. Um and most certainly DeSantis is a contender. Yeah. And for my money, he's he's the he's the horse I would I would want to bet on. Yeah. He, he for me has shown me this is a guy. Who can be like Trump, but not be Trump. Trump. <laughs> right. Now, and also for me, just for me, it yeah. shows me as a guy who could um, bring Trump voters over if Trump were to lose a primary, mm-hmm. that these Trumpies could perhaps vote for this guy in the general, mm-hmm. even hold their nose, but still vote for sure. this guy. Whereas Trump voters are not going to vote for you know, Marco Rubio—they're not going to vote for Chris mm-hmm. Christie. They're not going to vote for anybody else. Right. You know, this is why when when um, DeSantis sends illegals up to Martha's Vineyard or or, or Kamala Harris's uh, Harris's <laughs> uh, a front yard, that, that's kind of that's that's Trumpy. Yeah, but he's not calling anybody dogface. <laughs> that's you know, right. And so I see that I see that there's a personality there that might be able to. Uh, uh, pull over some of these Trump yeah. voters w- when they get the idea you know, Trump's just not going to do it. And Trump is the re- one of the big reasons, as you stated, that Republicans didn't have this wave, that almost, not every, but almost everything that Trump touched in 2022 died.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I think you're right about Ron DeSantis and, and who he is. I mean, he is, he is kind of in your face. But in a less offensive way than Donald Trump is, he's very bold, and he governed.
0: The difference is he
1: governed. He did. He governed
0: through COVID. He, he governed did. after Trump, and his reelection was by so much more than his original yes. election. Right? What was it? He just barely won the first time, and he got ten points on the second time. Yeah. You know, whereas Doctor Oz lost to Fetterman. You know, this, <laughs> what did somebody say? This guy looked like your. Your high school
1: janitor. How yeah. how is he a senator? <laughs> right. right. Yeah. No question. I you know Ron DeSantis. I do think, um, and I think he's playing it smart right now. Right. He's letting Trump get out there do his thing. And I you know my guess is Ron DeSantis is probably going to run for president. Oh, yeah. I think. I think you're very correct in that he has a lot of the qualities that Trump voters like about Donald Trump, the shake it up kind of mentality, but he's much more disciplined in his messaging.
0: When he said. Florida is where woke goes to die. Right. That is more than just good policy. Sure. That, 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 that says, I'm willing to enter a cultural battle. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if a lot of Americans are ready for that cultural battle. I think they are.
1: Yeah, I think they are. And not only did he say that, but his policies have shown that he's willing to stand up against sort of that woke culture as well. And you you look at what I've thought about this. Why did Donald Trump attack uh, Ron DeSantis? It wasn't over policy. It wasn't because he was liberal or he was moderate or whatever. It was because he stood in Donald Trump's way. It was a personal reason for attacking a man two days before an election. So I I think there's one of Reagan's commandments, one of Reagan's one of Reagan's commandments. Right. And again, it goes back to Ronald Reagan. Did what he did for the cause because he believed in the cause. I think Donald Trump used the cause, the conservative cause, give me to a, advance himself. Give me a definition of the cause. Well, <laughs> and
0: the reason and the reason I ask that yeah is because the cause has gotten very very blurry. Mm-hmm. And when you and I were young, well, when you were young and I was still old, mm-hmm. um, the cause was pretty clear that. Republicans wanted less government. We Mm -hmm. wanted less regulation. There was a sense that Democrats were Mm -hmm. pro-union, pro-labor, pro-taxes, a bit more um, uh, pro-welfare. But today, I don't know where that is in that you've got a lot more Republicans that are pro-protectionism. You've got a lot of Republicans that are pro-labor, and you've Mm -hmm. got a lot of Democrats that are anti-free speech, Mm -hmm. where they were pro-free speech in the past. You've got a lot of elites that are now the Democrats. It is quite a mixed-up thing. So what is the cause? (laughs)
1: Well, that's a bigger question than I can answer, but I would say I, I don't think it is a Democrat or Republican thing anymore, right? I think it is... To me what it is, and I guess we all kind of have our definition, but I think what, how Ronald Reagan would have described it is you know, putting the individual above the collective, right? Going back to the basics of the Bill of Rights, that those are God-given rights that, that, that protect us, and government can only interfere in that, and that that's what the Bill of Rights is about, is stopping government from, from, uh, from collectively quashing individuals. So I think that's an important part of it. I think economic growth and getting government out of our out of our lives and out of making the decisions for us and and letting us prosper in the way that we see prosperity. So to me, I guess that's what it would be. Uh, that's why I fight. Those are the reasons I fight. I, I suppose for other people it's different, but that's generally I think the tenets of a movement that Ronald Reagan um, t- sort of capitalized on, took control of, and helped lead in the 1980s. And it's, I think it's where we stand. You know, it's, I know it's where you and I stand as allies in this fight as well.
0: There's only one major, major problem. Let's leave it at this. Okay. Uh, we cannot vote for DeSantis. Okay. Why? Bastard is 44 years old. <laughs> you know, when, when Obama became president, and he's basically my age, I was like, this can't happen. <laughs> this can't. Only a president can be older than me. That's just yeah. the way that is. There can never be a president that is younger than me. Not to mention considerably younger than me. That that is that is a non-starter. You do understand. Shut up. You do just understand. Shut just shut up. I don't <laughs> okay. want to hear it. whatever it is. Why don't, why don't we just leave it at that? Let's, Let's just all at agree
1: that. at that. Sounds good. Just leave thanks it there. So much. Hey, people want to listen to the podcast, want to follow what you're doing. Where do they go? Sure. They can find it on jeffcrank.com. That's the website. But you can find it on any podcast platform that, that's out there, uh, Spotify, Google, any Jeff of those. Frank, yep. Thank you so much. Thanks, John.
0: This is John Caldera. And if you've enjoyed this episode of Devil's Advocate, I hope you'll share it with a friend. You can listen to more episodes on all streaming services, with new ones being released weekly. And remember, this is the audio from our television show. To watch the video version, just search the letters IITV for Independence Institute TV on YouTube for this and many other great conversations.